Welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. Recording this from uh, the basement booth. <laughs> Getting this one done for you guys. I took a little bit of a vacay before kickoff of the 2023-24 college football season. Well, we have a ton to get into. We're going to continue our position uh, previews, going over wide receivers and tight ends. Had a couple of award nominees for that group, so we're going to talk about that, of course. Losing a bunch of players, and then, of course, a couple guys that might stand out and have a chance for a breakout season. So, got a ton there. And then, of course, first coaches poll come out came out this uh, past week. Got to talk about that. And then expansion, expansion, expansion. If you've been living under a rock, the Big 12 now, the Big 24, question mark? More like the Big 16. We'll get into all of it. But first, got to remind you, win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. That is right, Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Send it to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. That's Pete Mundo, the big boss, M-U-N-D-O at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. And of course, you can listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it. Thank you for continuing to share and support on the Heartland College Sports Network. Boy, we have uh, been kicking butts and taking names. It has been an excellent offseason. As the season ramps up, I know that the coverage is only going to get better. And those guys over there at HarlandCollegeSports.com have been doing a great job, a magnificent job of keeping you up to date on all of the happenings in the Big 12. Because things have happened. Things have changed. There has been an insane amount of turnover, an insane amount of speculation, and they have been on the front lines covering all of it, giving you thoughts and opinions, and also breaking some news. Go over there, follow them, subscribe to that, because they have been doing a great job. Uh, Pete Mundo, of course, running the uh, starship over there, the mothership, making sure everything runs the way it does. So good for them, good everything there. I want to start with the college football coaches poll, and then talk about expansion, because I think those two work hand in hand. So here's the first thing. The football poll comes out, and I'm always going to lean more towards the coaches poll than the media poll. Because I'm a media member, and I can tell you, uh, there's a lot of media members that eat their own burgers. There's a lot of dudes out there who, they cover their team, they keep up with the ESPN bottom line, they might watch a couple of games here and there, they'll watch the playoffs. But in reality, they know about their team, they don't necessarily know about the rest of college sports. Whereas coaches, I find in my runnings in, is they have done a very good job of watching everything all the time. I don't know how they have time to do it. The coaches poll, to me, always has a little bit more weight than what the first media poll is. Media members, they buy into the hype. They listen to the coaches tell you that their uh, quarterback is going to be the next big thing. They buy into what the defensive lineman says about you know working on the offseason. They, they buy all that. Coaches, on the other hand, they know the behind the scenes. They talk to each other. The coaches poll is always going to have a little bit more weight. That's why I was so disappointed when TCU was picked 16th in the first coaches poll. Now I understand national championship did not go the way that Horn Frog fans wanted it to go. Didn't go the way I wanted it to go. I still am getting chirped about it online. Uh, to get picked 16th though, kind of felt low to me especially when you consider the teams picked ahead so let's go through the top four teams because all of these make sense i think university of georgia defending national champions kirby smart has turned that entire program around he has gone from kirby not so smart to kirby very smart in my opinion so he him and his dogs are number one michigan number two 
Alabama at three, Ohio State at four. So a bunch of blue bloods, a bunch of names you recognize, a bunch of guys who are consistently in there. The next four, LSU, US, or USC, Penn State, and Florida State. So we get the first Pac-12 team and the first ACC team in the mix. Penn State, though, interesting in that uh, top ten. Next four, Clemson at nine, Tennessee at ten, Washington at 11, and then the first Big 12 team, Texas at 12. Now, the Texas hype, and this is where I think the coaches got it right, the Texas hype has been astronomical this uh, offseason. The Quinn Ewers, the Archie Manning, the uh, Sarkeesian quotes, everybody hates us, right? We're, the fact that they have them at 12th makes me think that the coaches see through all of the glitz and glam. I, I respect that. I like that a lot more than, of course, the media members who think Texas is going to win every game in the Big 12, roll into the playoffs, and potentially win a national championship. I think that that's insane. I like that the coaches have them uh, has Texas at 12. But again, Tennessee had a good season last year. Washington, kind of a head-scratcher at 11 to me, but that's fine. Next four... We go Notre Dame at 13, Utah at 14, Oregon at 15, and then TCU at 16. Right behind TCU, Kansas State at 17. So there is your top 16 teams, TCU at 16. I like to think that they're going to finish higher than that in the final coaches poll. We will see what happens, but uh, it is worth mentioning in my opinion. That is what the first poll looks like, TCU picked at 16th. All right, why does this work hand-in-hand with expansion? Well, we mentioned a couple of those teams that are joining the Big 12, right? Arizona, Arizona State, Utah join Colorado. So it is essentially Texas and Oklahoma leaving and the entire Pac-12 <laughs> joining the Big 12, which is insane because reports say a year ago that the commissioners got together and were conversating about the potential of just a merger, a complete merger of the Pac-12 and the Big 12. I have always said that I'm against bringing in Pacific time zone teams. I don't want the Pacific time zone. I think it hurts the kickoff times. I think that while having a USC in the group is fun, having a Eugene, Oregon in the group is fun. Uh, look, for the majority of us, we watch the games on the television. Having a late kickoff on a Saturday night going into a Sunday morning where we're watching the Cowboys or we're watching the Texans or whatever NFL team, it's just a lot. The West Coast time is fun for college guys it's fun for the parents of these athletes. But for the majority of us fans, I'm not in love with a West Coast kickoff time. That's why Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah make so much sense along with Colorado. Because it's only going to be an hour difference, right? If you're thinking, you know, 7 p.m. kickoff central, that kickoff time now closer to 8 p.m. I can deal with a one-hour time jump. I can't deal with a two- or three-hour time jump. So I like the additions. Arizona State has always been my like kind of backdoor Pac-12 team. I like the uh, Sun Devils. Arizona, the rivals, it's nice that you bring another regional rivalry in. Utah was kind of a head-scratcher, but you got to remember, they just won the Pac-12. They have an up-and-coming program. That program is going to add a ton of competitiveness to an already chock-full competitive conference. I joked about it last week. I said that TCU has a chance here to become the alpha dogs in this conference with Texas and Oklahoma leaving because of the money, the prestige, and just the chance to like really turn into a perennial winner in this conference. The way that Oklahoma is winning the Big 12 every single season, I was saying that TCU has a chance here to win the conference every single season. But then you add a team like Utah, and you know I don't love 
Colorado, but I'm going to trust Dion, Neon Dion Primetime. I'm going to trust Coach Primetime and that think that he's going to be able to turn the Buffalo around. Is it going to happen this year? No. Is it going to happen next year? Probably not. But I give it a three to four year window, and Colorado could be a team that's competing for the Big 12. So with expansion, this helps the conference in totality. But if you're a TCU fan like me who wanted to see a bunch of banners hung up, this is going to hurt that. I think this puts a little bit of a dent in that door. There's a chance here that TCU is going to be an excellent program. But look, having to play Arizona State or U- well, not so much Arizona State, but having to play Utah and Colorado in a couple years is going to be a really tough bet, in my opinion. I think that it's going to be a really tough time for those te- for TCU to go to those places and win those games. Along with Houston, along with Cincinnati, along with UTF, all programs who in the last couple years have really turned the boat around a little bit. So this is going to be one of the most competitive conferences in college football. You are sad to see a conference like the Pac-12 completely fall apart. I think that it hurts the greater college football fan, fandom, uh, having teams like Washington and Oregon go to the Big Ten, having teams like UCLA and USC go to the Big Ten. I think that hurts the overall college football atmosphere. The regional rivalries is what makes this sport so much fun. It's not like the NFL. It's not like the other pro leagues where you have a rival across the, uh, the the entire continent. You think Boston, L.A. for basketball. You think uh, the Patriots and Raiders, opposite sides of the continental United States. Those are fun or whatever. But the beauty of college sports was the, the regional rivalries. The Auburn versus Alabama, right? The Tennessee versus Alabama. It, it's, it's like that Simpsons joke. Uh, the Scots are uh, enemies of everyone, right? With uh, Grandskeeper Willie, Alabama's an enemy of everybody in that conference, right? So it's it's fun. You like those regional rivalries, and the the lack of that now, um, or, or having some of that being taken away with the realignment, I think it hurts overall. The Big Twelve got a lot better though with these additions. So I think that in you're looking at it this way, the best teams are probably in the SEC with Alabama and Georgia, LSU and Florida. Tennessee included. The Big Ten, they've got two really top-heavy teams. USC has a potential to make it three with Ohio State and Michigan. I think the Big 12 is the deepest. When you talk about the top team versus the bottom team, I think that the the gap is going to be the, the smallest, potentially. Or maybe we put it this way. The gap between the top team and the sixth best team is going to be really tight in this conference. So you're going to have a lot of a lot of games come down to the wire. That makes the sport exciting. I'm just sad that we see some of those regional rivalries uh, go the way of the dinosaur. All right, positional preview time. Let's talk about wide receivers and tight ends, the pass-catching group. All right, TC, of course, lost more than maybe any other team in the conference when it comes to pass-catchers because the main strength, of course, was Quinton Johnson he had a one of the best seasons ever of a TCU wide receiver. Uh, he, I think, surprised a ton of people coming into this uh, this past season with how well he not only caught in the short game. He wasn't so much a safety blanket for Max Duggan. He was the blanket, right? He was the game plan for Duggan and uh, Garrett Riley, and of course Sonny Dykes. Like it was like get Quinn Johnson the ball. 
to see him get drafted was excellent, right? You're happy about that. To see what he did in the college football playoffs, he had an excellent uh, catch and run against Michigan. But then you think, okay, where? how do we replace somebody like that? And then you also compile it with or compound it with Darius Davis, who got drafted by the Chargers. So he's gone too. Davis was the second leading receiver, 42 catches, 531 yards, had a rushing touchdown last year. You're missing your two biggest pieces. And then, of course, you're losing starting slot uh, Tay Barber, who signed with the Buccaneers. He had the best hands on the team last year, according to Max Duggan. He was essentially the safety blanket. So you're missing three, maybe four of your top receivers from the previous year. That is going to be a big loss for any team. But a team like TCU, who, look, I like the defense. We'll see if the defense, we'll talk about the defense in the in the next couple weeks as we gear up for that opening uh, week against Colorado. I think defense is like in two weeks we'll break it down or maybe next week we'll break it down. But like, look, you look at the defense and you think to yourself, this is a defense that's solid, but against a team like Georgia, kind of got exposed a little bit. They had an excellent game against Michigan, but against Kansas State in the Big 12 championship, there was a little bit of flaws. There's some cracks in the armor, right? I think we can all agree about that. This offense is the thing that kind of carries the water for this program. It's going to carry the water to a lot of wins, you, you would hope. So to lose three of the best receivers, maybe in the conference, there's a lot to desire when you talk about 2023. How do you replace some of that? Well, they did get a couple of good guys. They bring in former Oklahoma State, uh, John Paul Richardson, JPR. He was second on uh, the Cowboys in receptions last year with 49, had over 500 yards, four TDs. Then you also you got to think they bring in uh, JoJo Earl, a transfer from Alabama in the offseason. He had an excellent career at uh, Aledo High School, top 100 recruit before committing to Alabama. He has the ability to not only catch and run, but he also has a great route treat. That's been the knock on a ton of Big 12 wide receivers, starting all the way back to you think about a guy like Josh Gordon, right? The, the harsh criticism of the Big 12 receiver was always the route trees are awful. The routes are essentially just fade routes and go routes. <laughs> they don't have solid route trees. So you get a guy who played his season at Alabama who has turned into wide receiver university or one of the best when it comes to putting some of the best products into the NFL uh, at the wide receiver position. So he had a year in that offense. He comes back to TCU. You'd hope that he's bringing maybe a little bit of that with him. You also got to think this, that if Alabama wants a wide receiver, he's worth it. So for him to come back home to Texas is uh, a great thing, I think, for the program. He also is right now being penciled in to do uh, kick and punt returning duties. We'll see how that works out. I, I'm always kind of hesitant when we put some of the better athletes on the uh, kicking and punting. It's fun for the fans, but as somebody who's trying to win national championships, is it somebody who's trying to make sure everybody stays healthy in a season that continues to get longer and longer as we expand the college football playoffs? I'm just hoping that by putting a guy like that on the uh, the kick return and punt return, that those additional hits don't pile up, and then you have a guy who, when you need him in the semifinal game or the championship game, uh, is has a nagging injury. I know it's football, but still, I'm looking at big picture here. So the Frogs return one starting receiver from last year. That's uh, Savion Williams, who appeared to he appears prime for a breakout season, according to all reports. A former four-star, 
uh, talented, talented guy, six foot five junior from uh, Marshall, Texas, had 29 catches and almost 400 yards with four TDs. He was part of the uh, kicking return team last season as well at different points. And uh, finally, the highest rated high school recruit in the 2023 class was uh, Cordell Russell, who is going to compete for that outside starting receiver role against Williams. He was ranked as number 65 player in the nation, according to 24-7 Sports. 6'4", 205 pounds. TCU now has a little bit of outside presence. This is something that I think a lot of teams in college football struggle with a little bit, outside of the Alabamas and the LSUs, is getting receivers to be deep ball threats. A lot of guys want a deep ball threat. A lot of teams think they have a deep ball threat. They don't really. I think you get two guys here in the in the wide receiver room at TCU who legitimately could go for 40, 50-yard touchdowns. If you can press the secondary in the Big 12 and make that linebacker make the linebacker core have to play in coverage, then you open up the running game and that is something that TCU is going to want to do this year. I think that the running back room this season for TCU has a chance to be better than the running back room they had a year ago. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But I look at it this way, that if Chandler Morris can stay healthy, I think that he is a quarterback who can really put up big numbers. Now, do big numbers translate to big wins? That's going to be left to decide, right? Like, if he's putting up 400 yards a game with two touchdowns average per game and keeps those interception numbers down, TCU has a chance here to run the table, to win the Big 12, and then potentially to play in the playoffs again. But the reason the coaches picked TCU at 16 is because they don't think that that's going to happen. They think Chandler Morris is an unknown commodity, even after seeing a couple uh, weeks of him the previous year. I have faith in Sonny Dykes, and I'm going to put my faith in the hands of Kendall Bryle. I know it's a, it's a tough, tough bet, but I'm going to put my faith in the hands of Kendall Bryle, and I think that they have a really good spot here. Here is the player to watch out for. This is a guy who, when you're at the bar, when you're talking to your buddies uh, about TCU football, and they're throwing names around, right? You're going to hear the same kind of names. Here's a guy that you might not be talking about that they need to start talking about, and you can uh, beat everybody on the golf course when it comes to uh, BSing. Here it is. Major Everhart, right? I love the name. Very, very good Texas football name. From Amarillo, he's a converted running back. He was top 300 in his recruiting class, and he's a slot receiver this year. He was a redshirt in 2022, but according to everybody during the spring practices, this kid looked primed for a breakout. So I know. We go through the list. We go, okay, uh, this guy, primed for a breakout. That guy, primed for a breakout. I'm telling you right now that Major Everhart has a chance this season to be the guy that at the end of the year we're talking about, oh my God, that was the X factor. That was a guy that put TCU over the top. Move on, moving on to tight ends. Jared Wiley, fifth year. I got to admire these guys who play multiple seasons, right? Extra years. Fifth collegiate season after a breakout last year, uh, transferring from Texas. 2022, the Temple native was the only tight end, uh, but he finished or he was not the only tight end in the room with receptions, but finished the season fifth yards, receptions, and touchdowns. He trails only Savion Williams when returning receiving production. Six foot seven, two hundred fifty-five pounds, 
large target for the TCU offense across the middle. Sonny Dykes, he has really reinvented the uh, tight end room. Came in, changed some things up. TCU not known for using their uh, tight ends as much in the passing game in the past. This past season, 2022, they used them. This coming up season with Kendall Bryle, might be using them a lot more. Uh, Wiley was named to the 2023 John Mackey Award preseason watch list. Uh, another point for that I think other people are thinking that TC is going to use their tight ends more. The annual award presented each year to the tight end. Uh, George's Brock Bauer won the award last season. No TCU player has ever won the award. It's created uh, 22 years ago in 2000. So along with Wiley, redshirt sophomore DeAndre Rogers, he's coming. Despite, despite not having a reception through the first two years in Fort Worth, He's a former four-star top 10 national tight end recruit from Washington. And uh, he had a standout game in the spring game. Got some work with the uh, first team offense. A couple of the guys that cover TCU have been talking about this dude as one of those hard workers uh, in the weight room. So we'll see if uh, that pays off as well. Let's wrap things up with uh, two big things. Thing number one, preseason awards. Uh, Two, not one, but two TC running backs listed. Emmanuel Bailey and Trey Sanders both named to the uh, Walker Award presented to the uh, nation's top running back. So people are looking out for that. Uh, Bailey had eight yards per average per carry last year in the Big 12. He was fourth on the TCU team with 250 rushing while adding seven receptions behind not one, but two NFL-bound running backs. So he's coming in with a lot of more space in the running back room after uh, Connor Miller leaves <laughs> to go to the NFL. A lot of more handoffs down to divvy up. And Sanders, of course, his first season at TCU after transferring from Alabama, where he had 528 total rushing yards with three TDs. Had a big run against Cincinnati in uh, the Tides playoff win in 2021. And then, of course, he had 80 yards in a 2020 victory against Mississippi State. So, former Alabama players all across the TCU offense. Uh, Sanders and Bailey both on the watch list for the, or the uh, nation's top running back. And then, finally, three Frogs named preseason All-Big 12 for women's soccer. Grace Bryan, Olivia Hassler, and Cameron Kanzler. Uh, we're all named to the All-Big 12 preseason team. TCU's three selections are tied for tops in the Big 12. Wanted to slip that in there. You know, we're not just a football podcast. We're going to give you everything, everything, a little bit of everything here. That's uh, going to wrap it up. So I want to really hammer on this uh, expansion point one last time. I think that the Big 12 needs to change their name. I think the addition of the teams is important. I think that it's going to make the conference a lot stronger. It's going to make games a lot more fun. I think people who travel for TCU games, I saw a ton of you guys at the College World Series. This is going to be really good for the, the programs and everything else, but we need to change the name. We cannot be going on as the Big 12 here on out with 16 teams. And the Big Ten, they're a culprit too. I think they have like 18 teams now. They got to change their name. I don't care what we call it. Maybe we call it the Southwest Conference or whatever. I know that that has like some stipulations there. We got to figure out something because the Big 12 just is not cutting it for me. 
Not with not with 16 teams. We got to figure something else out here. Thank you so much for listening to the Hypnotoad podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get the podcast. And as more uh, TCU news breaks, we will have it for you right here. Win a free Harlan College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Email PeteMundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com to uh, get that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week, breaking down another positional battle as we get closer and closer to kickoff of the 2023-24 college football season. We'll see you next week.